0: Welcome back to another episode of the Launchpad podcast. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about client acquisition and retention strategies across a variety of different businesses, not just sales or service. All that and more coming up right after this. Welcome back to another episode of the Launchpad podcast. Uh, I'm very happy to be here once again with the wonderful Tina Hay from Puzzle Media. Thanks for being here.
1: Hello, hello. Thanks for having me.
0: And um, now that we've got over our um, audio-visual technical <laughs> difficulties that we had <laughs> prior to starting the recording. Uh, today's episode is going to be about client acquisition, client retention, and looking at I guess different strategies and approaches for different uh, industry types and business models. So, um, Tina, why don't you you take it away and um, and get us off and running?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I thought this was a good one because it's it's the main reason that people engage us um, at Puzzle Media, and I'm sure it's the same for Launch Experts. It's because they often are wanting to you know, increase their inquiries, increase their sales, increase what they're doing, their activity. And so you know you have acquisition, which is bringing on board new clients and new customers, and then you also have retention, which is keeping them. Um, and marketing plays such a big part in, in both of those areas. So I thought today we could just talk about some of the different industries that we work with at Puzzle Media, um, and I'm sure there's lots of crossover and just share some of what's working for them at the moment um, in terms of, we'll start with acquisition, we'll talk a bit about that, and then we can talk about retention later on. Um, So when it comes to acquisition, um, when we talk about acquisition, it's acquiring new clients and new customers. So we're not talking about acquiring other businesses. I know sometimes that that term can be a bit confusing for some people, Um, but really what we're talking about is how are you generating inquiries and making the phones ring in your business and there's a number of ways to do this as we know so when we look at our i guess our core group of clients that are in that service-based industry and we'll look at um trades so we'll start with trades um, we work with a number of clients across this you know across in within the trades so we work with a group of plumbers we've got electricians we've got cabinet makers um we've got people that are in the uh, tree maintenance and, and landscaping space. And all of those people kind of have, they've all got, they're in a situation where they've got large teams of 20, 30 plus people working for them. And they need ongoing uh, work to be coming in to be able to you know maintain their staffing levels um, and also just maintain that revenue that they need to uh, be hitting and more. And so what we're using for them is really your, um, you know, SEO, Google advertising, some of them we're doing some social media for, um, in terms of maintaining that presence and also uh, a little bit of advertising. I guess it depends on the type of trade, but these are typically um, areas that people are going to Google and searching, or they're going to a search engine um, and searching for, for these things okay they need someone now they kind of know what they want um and they're using them for that we also work with a builder um, and they're a high-end builder Um, and so what we do for them is and we've done seo for them in the past um, and what we're doing for them now is we're we're creating their social and managing their social media content and you know speaking to the owner there he is under no sort of disillusion that A Facebook post or an Instagram post is going to sell him in on a you know million dollar new house build, Um, but what he does like is that when people refer him to sorry when people refer to them to the building company. those people are then going onto Instagram, they're going onto Facebook and they're having a look at the quality of the work and the type of projects that they've worked on. So it almost works like a, a social media gallery. So there's lots of different ways to kind of tap into social and online. That's some of the stuff that we're doing um, at a top line level. We are doing some email marketing as well with a couple of clients where, you know, once they're kind of coming in the door, uh, they they will, you know, usually it's a phone call um, or an email inquiry. And then once they've kind of gone through that process, they've gone through that quoting process uh, with one particular client. If they have not converted at that point, they then go into an email funnel um, and an email funnel just being a series of emails that they're sent. Not to annoy anyone, not to spam anyone, but just to remind them that they're there. And, you know, to not forget about them, because this is the other thing is people, if we think about consumers and think about how, I guess, we make our purchasing decisions. You know, I know I make inquiries for things that maybe are not an immediate need, but I'm just trying to suss out some pricing or what I need to know. So I almost need I am that person that needs that follow up. I need someone to kind of hassle me a little bit to say, hey, are you you going ahead with this or not? Because it's not necessarily that I don't want to go ahead with that particular person. It's just life gets busy, right? So um, we're doing some email marketing with some of those with one client in particular around that as well. Um, what about you, Stuart?
0: Yeah, it's um, it's funny what you said about. Uh, well, I mean, we're sort of talking about service service type businesses with tradies and things like that, and that's. I think that's in some ways when people ask like, oh, what do you guys do at your business, you know, elevator pitch type stuff. Really at the end of the day for the majority of our clients, we just make the phone ring for them. They don't really care whether we're using Google ads or SEO or whatever it is. They just want the phone to ring and they don't really, they're not really bothered with what how it happens in the background. Most, most people just want phone calls from their customers so they can go and do work their business. They're not interested in marketing until there's kind of a problem and it's not doing something. Um, and I also think that um, when you're talking about different types of acquisition strategies, y- your example of the trader or you know the plumber is a really good one because there's a particular type of need and urgency around that type of a service like if you've got a busted pipe you probably don't need to go into like a long complicated nurture sequence you just want to you want to freaking talk to someone right now <laughs> there's an element of the urgency and the priority of whatever the the service that they provide and then i think there's also an element of how much does it cost or how complicated is the service going to be that if the uh, I think that generally as the cost goes up and as the complexity of the service goes up, that the amount of time that's generally required yeah. from initial contact to sale tends to extend out. Um, you, you know, you could say that um, like one of our clients is SolarHeart. We do a lot of work for SolarHeart generating leads. You could say that those guys are plumbers on paper, but the sales cycle for a a plumber that's trying to fix a busted pipe is like that um, it's starts and finishes like within 10 seconds of the phone call happening, but the sales cycle for a solar hot water system, you know, that system might be worth five grand or whatever it is. Um, so that process is going to take, are quite a bit longer and require more steps and more people involved and it's complex um, in addition to the high cost of it. So, um, yeah, the the process is often quite a bit different.
1: Going back to your point about the uh, the cost, yeah, 100% agree. We've got um, one of our clients um, who is a plumber, um, they, uh, you know, they do that emergency plumbing. So, you know, that is the phone calls. The, I need someone now Um but they also do um new bathroom renovations okay so that's something that works really well across social media as well as you know um, search and, and google and what have you so you know it's not always a fit for them to be on social media for all of their services sometimes for some clients it's some services um that work better across different platforms and as you say most clients they're not too fast how you're doing it they just want They just want um, those incoming inquiries. Um, Something that has come up, you know, again, with these types of clients is, is that always, you know, bringing people in, but they're not always great at keeping in touch with those people. Mm. Um, And so that's something that we've done where sometimes we're managing it for them in the past. um, But also we're encouraging clients if they don't want us to manage it for whatever reason to do it in house um, and to have, that constant communication going on with their clients um, via email. Email marketing, you know, it's the most cost effective way of getting in front of someone, even if they're not opening that email, they're still seeing it in their inbox. Even if they delete it, it's a little reminder to their subconscious that, you know, ABC plumbing is still around and um, they're the ones that they're going to remember next time they have that emergency, because that's the other thing. When you're in that, um, I just need something done now. you don't always remember the person that you've actually contacted unless they're keeping in touch with you. So, um, you know, clients invest quite a lot. Our clients invest, you know, pretty heavily on um, acquiring new clients and customers. So we really encourage them to try and maximize the lifetime value of that client or customer. Um, And the lifetime value for anyone that's not, not across that is working out, you know, if you have one client or one customer, how many times do they tend to come back to you, and um, and buy from you? So if they spend, you know, if you're doing a um, a pest inspection, or sorry, a termite, um, what's it called? A termite a treatment or something? Yeah, <laughs> treatment. A treatment. That's the word. A, a treatment, like a pest um, treatment. You know, you might get that done annually, and it's two hundred dollars. But you know that every year you go back to the same person and on average your clients are sticking around for about five years. Um, So you know that that client, every time you acquire a client, it's about $1,000 if you put in the effort. So really getting across your numbers, I know we talk about numbers and we've talked about numbers over the past couple of um, um, podcasts that we've done, but really being aware of your numbers to understand how much does it cost me to acquire a new client or customer? And what is the lifetime value of that client or customer? If you're just selling, um, you know, a $10 kind of product and it's a one-off and they're not going to buy it again, um, you're going to have to work really, really hard at getting your cost per acquisition um, ridiculously low. But if you are selling the, you know, like the the higher-end um, solar, solar systems and, and all the rest of it, To hot water systems, whatever it might be, bathroom renos, you're going to get fewer, but obviously higher value. So people generally will not do a bathroom renovation more than once every. It depends. I don't know. We've done a few over the years personally, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, once every five years, let's say. So you know, you have to think about your cost per acquisition. But um, yeah, when it comes to sort of lead generation for those clients. You know definitely your, your search your advertising and social media can work really well as well
0: and, and you brought up a you brought up a really interesting point about um getting repeat repeat purchases mm. from existing customers and you know obviously if you are new to business you don't have any clients so that's fine you are purely 100 percent acquisition focused that's all you care about um but a lot of people that we speak to will contact us and say well we want to make more money. So therefore, we need more clients so that we can get more sales. Um, but they've been in business for five years, 10 years and probably, mm. you know, service thousands and thousands of people over the years. And they're potentially sitting on an absolute gold mine, but they just haven't tapped into it yet. Cause I think the studies, the studies, uh, show that it's about six or seven times cheaper to generate a sale from somebody who's purchased from you before than to generate a sale who's never from somebody who's never done business with you. So um like you said, knowing your numbers is really important. But if you go, mm. okay, well we I know it costs $150 to generate a new customer who buys something for the first time, well then you might be paying fifteen, twenty dollars to generate a repeat purchase from somebody who's bought from you previously. And when you think about the psychology and the logic, it's pretty—it's pretty self-explanatory. You go and buy, I don't know, a boat from a company, and then they send you a message and go, "Hey, you just bought that new U-Boot boat. Here's some accessories that people mm. often purchase with that particular boat. How about a, uh, you know, a wakeboard or some life jackets or, you know, okay, you're not going to sell them a second boat, most likely, but you can probably." in that scenario, probably make several thousand dollars Mm. worth of additional follow-up purchases just by going, hey, you bought this thing, why not buy this as well? You probably need it anyway, so you may as well get it from here. And, And so long as they had a good experience the first purchase, they'll probably do that because you're a safe option.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I tell you, who's really good at doing this is um, is Amazon. So, for any of you that are out there that are selling products, if you want an example of how it's done well, go on to Amazon and just add anything you want, anything into your cart. They are going to give you a whole list of things that are actually really useful. I bought a um, a wireless keyboard the other day. It's given me, um, you know, um, chargers. It's given me options for different. Um, usb things and all these you know i'm kind of like gone down this rabbit hole and before i know it you know got an amazon package coming that i don't even know what's in there anymore so <laughs> um but it is very cleverly done and i see you know we, we don't work with uh, you know a huge amount of e-commerce businesses but um the ones that are doing it well are really the ones that know how to i think this you know what you're talking about Stuart. Can work for service based businesses, but also product based businesses. Um, it's a really good way of, you know, you've bought this. This is also, uh, you know, people that bought this also bought this. If you've bought this pair of jeans, you know, try these shoes and this bag and what have you. Um, and before you know it, you know, you're, you're what was going to be maybe a couple of hundred dollars purchase then doubles. So, but if you don't ask, you won't, you know, you, you won't receive. It is as simple as that. Um, I always get the, obje- I don't know if you guys do, but um, I get the um, uh, objection of, yeah, I don't want to hassle people. If I email them all the time, I don't want to hassle them. Do you guys get ever kind of get that?
0: Uh, yeah, I think there <laughs> is definitely a, a fear of being mm. intrusive or like a sleazy salesperson or something like that. Or just maybe it's just a general fear of rejection, yeah. um, and that and that happens. I find people are uh, sometimes like that. Never mind it being a follow up purchase, even that first purchase, it's like, but they called you, so you, they're <laughs> they're they're not going to be bothered. They're expecting you to contact them back. They yeah. actually kind of want that. And until yeah. they turn around and go, "Oh no, I'm good. I went somewhere else." Well, that's fine. Like that's okay
1: yeah i know it is it's it is interesting it is it kind of plays a little bit into um maybe that could be another episode kind of buyer psychology uh or or you know not even buyer but uh, business psychology and uh why, why we kind of don't do the things we're supposed to do um i had a really interesting um call with a couple that are working together um and we're talking about doing some stuff with them and there are so many obvious gaps in what they could be doing, where they're sitting, they've been in business quite a while, they've got this database, they're not emailing anyone, they've got all of these people on LinkedIn, they're not posting any content, they're doing a really, really small budget on Google Ads, which is working incredibly well for them. Um, But there are these untapped opportunities that are actually, once they've got them set up, are gonna be pretty, pretty low cost, apart from creating some content. but you know, the conversation was, oh, but we don't want to hassle people. You know, I don't want to hassle, I don't want to post all the time on my LinkedIn. Um, it's kind of like, well, how are people gonna know what you do? Like how are people going to engage with you and, you know, converse with you if you're not reminding them that you're there? Because someone that has worked with you five years ago, ten years ago, even two years ago, they're not gonna remember. They're not gonna remember. Um, and
0: if in worst case if you post something on linkedin and no one interacts with it what do you lose nothing exactly. and even if if you found it that mortifying and embarrassing <laughs> that nobody likes the post or yeah. something you just delete the post
1: absolutely <laughs> it's it's so like, how wrong how wrong can you get it i mean it's yeah it, it's i do find it and it is it comes down to it comes down to mindset some of this comes down to mindset and just being open to okay well you know, I'm open to these opportunities, and I'll do what it takes. Um, and th- those are the types of clients we absolutely love working with. And um, you know, and this couple, I, I think they just, you know, they're just not quite ready to to do, you know, what what's needed to get them there. And it's it's a shame because they've got an amazing business, and they just need to get out of their own way, basically. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which I did say to them. I did kind of say, guys, you, you do realize you're kind of
0: doing this to yourself up
1: a bit. And they were like, yeah, we know, we know, but but. But, 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 so anyway. You know, um, and I can
0: sort of understand some of the hesitation when it comes to email marketing sometimes. And even I get a bit like, you know, if you've not done email marketing before and you upload this list and most email services will have thresholds of, you know, bounce rates or spam complaints and things like that. So there is a genuine risk of if you're just suddenly emailing 10,000 people that you've never emailed before, that that can actually be bad. Yeah. Um, so I definitely in that scenario I can understand being a little overly cautious. You know that first one or two times yeah. until you get yeah. people warmed up and nobody's uns- or not many people are unsubscribing yeah. and things like that. Yeah. But if it's just social posts, like just whatever, just go for just, it. Just
1: put them up. Exactly what's going to happen.
0: It's funny um, when you're talking about e-commerce businesses. Um, I f- I think that e-commerce in pretty much most categories. Um, is so competitive now that really um, the companies that are surviving and thriving and are the ones that understand the lifetime value or even the the twelve month value of a customer because mm. they are able to make the calculation of okay even if I make zero dollars on the first purchase I know that over twelve months. I can email them and send them this and that. And the, on average, they will spend X amount more. And when you're armed with that knowledge, it enables it. it enables those advertisers to go, I'm okay with paying $10 to acquire a new customer or $20. Yeah. Whereas their competitors down the road that are trying to make their money back on that first purchase, yeah. they're like, I can only afford to pay yeah. $6 because they're only going to spend $10 in their first purchase. Whereas the big guys are like, we know it, it doesn't matter. Even if we lose a dollar, we know that in three months yeah. time, we're going to be in the black as far as that, that customer is concerned. And over the course of a year, we're going to be making X amount more than we were last year and more than most other people are. So it's, um, I think in a lot of those scenarios, if you're not leveraging all of those opportunities with the, upsells and cross-sells and repeat purchases and nurturing people for a repeat sales, you're probably going to struggle to, to be competitive.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And when you when you talk to sort of, you know, bigger organizations, and I think about, um, you know, some of the old clients that I used to manage when back in agency days um, back in London, and, you know, typically those big organizations, when they're launching something new, they are expecting to make a loss for the first two or three years right, they are expecting it. I think what happens is as a, you know, the smaller the business, the bigger the risk, right? So where, where you've got smaller businesses like yours and mine where, um, you know, we're not in a position to, you know, not, not, um, not produce revenue for six months or 12 months just to experiment with a few new things like we're, you know, most businesses are not in that position where they can say, okay, you know what, I don't need to make any kind of profit whatsoever. For, for, for the next six to 12 months. Um, most, I mean, most are living sort of month to month, but at, at best, you know, two or three months, you probably, you should really have up your sleeve. But going back to, you know, those bigger organisations, they are ready to pump money into something and make that loss and make those lessons through the loss to get them to where they need to be because they know that, you know, often when it comes to e-commerce, Those first few, the first time you acquire a customer, like you say, Stuart, sometimes you're losing. But um, you know there are the smaller businesses that are the you know the one man bands, couple of man bands, even you know smaller teams, um, where they're really wanting to see a result straight away, and that's not always the case. Um, If especially if you're not doing all the follow up.
0: Absolutely, I think um, I don't know if you've heard of a guy called Alex Hormozzi.
1: Oh. Yeah, that rings a bell.
0: He's all over my social media right now, probably because I follow him. But um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he, I watched a, a talk where he, he essentially said, you, you know, when you make a sale, if it generates enough money that it pays for the acquisition of two new customers, then you're good to go, basically, yeah. which is actually a really simple yeah, like way that. of looking at it. Yeah, really, amazing. really simple. And And if you aren't, then potentially your prices need to go up or mm. you know if, hey if you can squeeze your acquisition cost down yeah of course but if you can't if you know it always costs $50 to generate yeah. uh, to create a new customer then you know where the minimum standard is for your pricing to be able to have reliable growth going forward and if you think oh well my my stuff isn't worth $100 per sale or 150 per sale well then you maybe need to find some way of increasing the value, yeah. offering a better quality thing or a bonus yeah. or something like yeah. that so that you can justify those increased prices because essentially as soon as you reach that equilibrium of cost to, to, to generate two sales versus the cost of one, uh, the um, revenue for one sale, um, then your growth just kind of automatically goes up basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think... Um... I think with that, like I really like that equation actually, and that makes sense. You know, um, I'm just picking up on what you said about offer and packaging up things. That's the other thing that I think some, um, we've only just touched on, like we started talking about trades and we'll talk (laughs) about some other industries, but um, I think that's something that that businesses that are both in the e-commerce space and also in the service-based industry space really need to have a look at if they haven't already is how they are packaging up their services in a way that is um, going to give their clients and their customers the best results, the best outcomes. um, And also, how are they making that look attractive? So it's a no-brainer. I want to do it. Um, I think that is something that is often missing, and it's, it's something that we do a little bit of work with clients on. Uh, where they're coming and they're kind of saying, we just want the phones to ring, and it's like, well, okay, what's your offer? Like, what 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 are your packages? What what are you doing here, and what is the you know where where is your your customer now, and where are they going to be, once they've engaged with your services? What what's that journey that you take them through, and that's what we need to talk to. Um, but really, you know, if you are a small business out there and you're thinking, okay, I know that I'm doing some of this stuff right. Um, but it's still not quite moving the way I need it to. Really, have a look. Like I encourage you to have a look at your offers and have a look at how you're packaging up things. Um, yeah. And what
0: about um, not for profit? We don't really work in that yeah. space, but yeah. you obviously do.
1: Yeah, we do some stuff with not for profit. So we've done bits and pieces over the years. The main area that we focused on is fundraising. So um, typically, when when uh, not for profits are working on their um, fundraising campaigns they will put, you know, a lot of kind of um, energy into those. So typically, fundraising campaigns will happen, at, um, you know, end of end of financial year. Um, there might be, you know, a Christmas appeal. There might be one around, you know, typically there'd be like two or three different like big kind of appeals a year for a traditional not-for-profit. Um, I know that COVID changed a lot for not-for-profits because if you think about a traditional kind of, charity they will you know they earn money through volunteers being active in the community they earn money through events um they earn money from being very present physically as well as digit um, on online so covid did actually just kill a lot of that and so um you know the not-for-profits that we have been working with and and, and dealt with since then have kind of shifted what they're doing a little bit where they're really relying, um, wanting to rely on those regular donations. Um, and, and I think all charities rely on regular donations. That is how they, you know, that's how they raise, that's how they fundraise. Um, but with the appeals that where we're getting involved are things like Facebook advertising, Instagram advertising, social media content, email marketing content, um, and and so on and so forth. So depending on the size of the not-for-profit, often they will have someone that is doing a bit of marketing in-house so the clients that we work with um, they tend to use us as uh, on on those one-off kind of appeals and and campaigns fundraising campaigns or when they're having you know staff leaving or kind of in, entering and exiting roles and they'll get us involved in certain things but it's definitely an area that is extremely rewarding to work in um, and you kind of see a whole different. You know a whole different way of doing things but ultimately it's still that acquisition model right where they are going out there and some of the you know donations that they they receive are just those one-offs and some of them are become regular um donors which means that they could you know commit to giving whatever it is um each month and that just comes out and, and that's done and that's you know that might be uh, on an individual basis it might be people salary sacrificing through um corporate sponsorship and, and things like that um, we've never really done a lot with things like the corporate sponsorship um again some of the larger charities they they tend to have people someone responsible for that for their cor- corporate sponsorship so that person is going out there and they're very active in the community what i find with those typically people with those roles they're very active on LinkedIn because that is their, <laughs> that is their little black book of uh, people that they need to connect with. So they're the ones that are going to the local networking events. They're really having that um, physical presence at, um, you know, community events. They are engaging one-on-one with the decision makers at, at some of the larger firms uh, of businesses that are around and they're driving things that way. But, um, yeah, it's definitely an interesting space. But when you break down the numbers, again, you know, what they're looking at and when they, you know, the CEOs have to go and report to the board, what they're looking at is how much is it costing us to acquire a donor, a regular donor. Mm. So, again, it's all down to the numbers.
0: Let's switch gears and talk about B2B because we've kind of, um, when we're talking about e-com and service, you know, we sort of tend to be... Well, I definitely do default to talking about uh, B2C, which yeah. f- for anybody that doesn't know it is business to consumer, um, yeah. which is the plumber relationship with the lady who has a busted pipe. That's B2C. B2B is uh, like, for example, for me, if I'm going and looking for a software package and I'm doing some searches online, that's a B2B or business to business uh, transaction. Um, so that scenario is something that i'm very familiar with because i'm always looking at different software packages and how i can make things more efficient and you know provide a better service for our clients so when i'm and i've been looking at 10 different softwares over the last month it's been horrible but oh. as soon as you go to their website and you let's say you schedule a demo or you you download whatever the ebook is that explains the feature set or something you're instantly going to expect to be retargeted on Facebook, Instagram, probably LinkedIn, probably YouTube. If you gave them your email address, you're also expecting to be receiving, well, whatever the thing is that you wanted to download, but then almost certainly some kind of follow-up emails. And that's what people are referring to when they talk about this omni-channel um, approach to marketing, mm. which is once you enter their 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 web, <laughs> you're screwed. <laughs> um, no, once once you interact with them, they are going to take every opportunity to uh, show you testimonials or case studies or whatever it might be to help nudge you along to the point where you're ready to purchase or book a, a sales demo or essentially go down to the next stage in the in the sales process
1: yeah yeah I love that and same um, you know it's it, you're right you do you get hit so much now with uh, <laughs> in all directions um, and I think just going back to my point that I said earlier I forget about things like I'm not I will google something I'll spend you know an hour looking at something and then I get sidetracked because something's happened and you know it kind of if I'm not getting reminded, then I'm forgetting about that software. Um, and the amount of things that I've I mean, you know, the amount of subscriptions we have, like mm. I'm sure you're the same. And, you know, some of them are because I looked into something and then I've been hit time and time again. And I'm kind of like, you know what, I like their marketing, let's just let's just give it a go um, and, and sign up and, and see what they've got to offer. Um, the stuff that we do in the B two B space. So we um, we do a little bit with some professional service firms. So uh, we've got you know a couple of law firms. We've got um, a group of accountants that we work with. Um, I actually spoke this morning to a group of financial planners. So hoping to bring some of them on board as well. And when you're um, looking at kind of B two B and professional services, where so say the accountant is dealing with Businesses, other business owners, Um, some of those buyer cycles tend to be a little bit longer, depending on again what what is needed. So, if someone's in a situation where they've just found out their accountant's been ripping them off or their bookkeeper's not been doing the right thing, there is an immediate need, right? So they're gonna, you know, that 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 sales cycle might be a little bit shorter but someone that might be just shopping around and oh, I'm not sure I'm getting what I need from my existing accountant, um, I think I could be getting more, I'm not really sure you know, where to go because I've been with this person for such a long time. That kind of scenario, it is a longer sales cycle. And so where we, like what we're doing at the moment with, with the clients that are in that space is really just heavy on things like blog posts, newsletters, social media, um, so that we are meeting people where they are, um, you know, for some of those firms, of course, you know, Google ads, SEO, of course, work for, for others, it's just too competitive to even kind of try and go I know we spoke about this before, but, you know, it is just too competitive to try and, you know, compete on Google ads um, or, you know, use SEO to try and target uh, for, for a mortgage broker, let's say that's going back to beta to C though. So. With the B2B, um, I know what does work is really a lot of that kind of thought leadership style content um, where it is being shared on LinkedIn. And it is kind of going a little bit deeper than just the fluff Um, running webinars can work really well to, you know, it's great for lead generation and just building that that funnel where you are, you know, you're bringing them into your kind of stratosphere um, and then you are remarketing to them, you're marketing to them through email, uh, but you're starting off by giving, you know, and with B2B, and it's something that we do, I know at Puzzle, you know, we give a lot of free info out there um, with the, um, you know, we we give it out there for free and, and a lot of people take that info and, you know, there is a small percentage that then engage with us as a result of that. So that's great. And there are some people that take that free info and they use it and they apply it and it's working for where they are in their business and that's also great so you know again for the b2b clients out there have a think about is there something that i can run a webinar or a lunch and learn on or uh, develop a developer i don't know a, a lead magnet for so uh, a downloadable pdf that gives people a guide to xyz um so really have a think about how that could fit in with what you're offering um, and just also knowing that with b2b Sometimes it is a longer sales cycle depending on the cost of your service or product.
0: And I want to um, just – I know we kind of talked about email already, but I'm going to talk about it again because, you know, one thing that – you remember when Facebook first came out and you could just post anything and it would essentially go viral (laughs) – you know, oh,
1: it's just amazing. I love those days. Everyone would see Leads for 50, 50 cents. Yeah.
0: And then <laughs> the gradually knowledge. the reach goes down and down and down as yeah. the user base um, grows. And then you have to buy ads, and everyone cry, oh, it's so unfair. How are they, like, as though they're providing, yeah. like, a public service, like it's air or something like that. Oh, we should, we're entitled to whatever. When Instagram came out, same thing, massive reach, and then it goes down. Oh, Instagram's yeah. doing the same thing yeah. that Facebook did. And then it's so evil. Yeah. And then uh, TikTok. Oh, oh, my gosh. The reach on TikTok is getting worse. How could this happen three times? <laughs> if you have an audience on social media, whatever the channel is, you must do everything in your power to get them into your email database Mm -hmm. at a minimum. And if you're not, then you really have nothing to complain about when the reach essentially goes and you can't just spam out your latest offers and price lists and be disappointed when no one sees it because it's a garbage post. You must be capturing those people so that you actually own their details, not Facebook or Instagram. And because essentially, when you don't own their information, You have to pay Facebook to access it in the form of ads. If you have thought ahead and actually, like you said, offered something for free, some little PDF download that will probably take you half a day to generate and allow and has a little bit of value, allows you to capture their details. And then if you wanna communicate with that person, you can email them direct, essentially for free. Or if they've been if you've given something that's valuable enough that they gave their phone number as well, you can call them up or send them a text message. And what you don't have to do is pay, put money into Facebook or Instagram because you want to push out and add to them. That is the game that has to be played. And I I really have to hope that each successive time that a new platform comes out, people learn this lesson. But it seems like a lot of people don't, and they're just waiting for the next the next TikTok to come out that they can jump onto, and you know, put their you know average quality posts up and hope that it just gets seen by everyone.
1: And the, and this is like the whole, you know, one of the main bonuses of social media is you get to move people onto your website and onto your email list. Like that is the goal as a business. Yes, engage with them on social media. Some people, I, I know people that do actually do quite, get quite a lot of clients through social media through you know direct messaging and all the rest of it um, doing it that way attraction marketing that works well for people say in the coaching space okay where they don't need hundreds and hundreds of clients they need a handful each month maybe and so that that approach can work well but when you're talking about scaling businesses that's not sustainable right it's not sustainable to do that unless you've got a full team that are acting on behalf of, you know, your page and DMing and and doing all all of that jazz and obviously using chatbots and what have you. But um, I've lost my point. Hang on. You're on a (laughs) roll. I'm I'm loving it. No. (laughs) Um, But the whole point of social media is get them off there. Have a conversation. Engage with them on social media. Get them off there and get them onto your list. And, um, yeah, you're right. Every time a new platform – what was the one where it was um, was audio? Oh, gosh, I can't remember. Is that Periscope? It was Periscope, and then it changed to something else, and I, that's going to annoy me because I was on there. Have um, I still got it? I'm going to have to have a look. Clubhouse.
0: I Did you he- join Clubhouse. I heard about that, and I think okay, I wasn't so invited to the club.
1: At- <laughs> <laughs> so Club, this was right. So Clubhouse was it was audio, and it was kind of rooms like this. I say rooms. That's what they were called. They were called rooms, and you would join the room, and you could, you know, listen in. It sounds creepy. <laughs> Actually, now that I'm explaining it, little bit, little bit. <laughs> but you had to have an invite. You had to be invited by someone. And it went off in the UK. It was, everyone was going on there. Um, It was, you know, everyone was built, you know, there were courses being created within about a week of it launching of how to utilise Clubhouse to build your email list. But even that one, you know, kind of, you know, it's, I mean, I think it's still going, but. It, it died a bit of a death because then people were like, oh, you know, it's too busy and it's too noisy. And it's like, yeah, it's social media. That's what it's built to to do, right? It's built to engage us and, um, you know, shorten our attention spans by throwing so much information at us. But for as a business, you know, utilise it for good, you know, utilise it to showcase what you're doing. Um, anyone that's doing B2B, I, if you are not, utilising LinkedIn I just seriously cannot recommend it enough um showing up on there connecting with people that you want to do business with connecting with potential referral partners share a couple of quality posts every week um and that's it honestly it that's all it takes and if you want to ramp up how many inquiries connect with more people share more content um it's not about being spammy it's not about you know DMing people on LinkedIn and private messaging them and Telling them how amazing you oh, are. I'm so um, sick f- of that. <laughs> on the first, you know, hi Stuart, thanks for connecting with me. Have I told you? Let me take a minute to tell you how amazing I am. Oh my it's god! Going, Come on, people, I- we're not doing that anymore.
0: So last night, just for fun, I was sitting uh, in front of the telly. And I thought I'm going sit- to. haven't been on LinkedIn for months, so I'm going to go on there. See what's what. I've got about 100 invitations from people I've met. I did notice,
1: I'm going to say, I did notice you connected with me, even though I asked you to connect like a year ago.
0: You know, yours was the only one where I was like, ooh, Tina. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, but everyone else, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to accept everybody's uh, everybody's request. (gasps) And there was like a lot. And and I guess everybody has like an autoresponder setup. And it's just. Hey Stuart, here's what we do. Here, it's like, man, I don't yeah. frigging know you. Like, yeah. who are you? Yeah. Why are you talking yeah. to me? <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, fair enough, we've we've connected, but at least at least buy me a drink first before you try yeah. to take me home. It's you
1: know? so, uh, people are just straight away
0: going for the yeah. the sales pitch, and I mean, I'm yeah. guessing they convert some people in that way. Otherwise, surely you wouldn't do it. But it's got to be so low.
1: So I'm, right, so I'm going to put my hand up and say, we were offering this as a service to clients about four years ago because it worked. Okay, This used to work, right? Because not everyone was doing it. Mm. It was a little bit, it wasn't as spammy as some of the stuff that I see coming through, but it was a, hey, Stuart, I noticed that you run a digital marketing agency. We just wrote a blog um, with a case study of someone we work with. Here it is. Send them to a blog. It was very it was quite soft and we obviously tailored it to the clients we were working with. Um, It worked well. It worked okay, And then it just started increasing. Um, Everyone was just doing a lot Mm -hmm. more of it and it became spammy. And I actually just pulled that service because it didn't feel aligned with where we were at and what we wanted to kind of who we wanted to be. So um, we pulled that service from our offering. Um, But you know, what people are doing now, it is the old style. This is the digital version of cold calling on Mm. LinkedIn. This is what people are doing. Because they're kind of going, you know what, I'm going to get sales navigator, I'm going to send 100 messages a day. That's 500 messages a a week. So from that, if I get 10 sales meetings, if I get five sales meetings, happy days. Mm. And so on and so forth. So it, it becomes this numbers game. But it is very icky and I don't, you know, I personally don't respond to, to them unless, I have, I have actually gotten a couple of calls with people, but they're the way that they've approached it is very personalised and very, like, they've actually spent a minute to look at what I'm doing. <laughs>
0: a um, whole minute to yeah, actually visit minute. your website
1: first. And that's, the, yeah, yeah, literally. So, um.
0: The bar is yeah, low. Look,
1: does it work? <laughs> You know, it's kind of like, look, if you're going to pardon the pun, but if you throw enough shit, something's going to stick at some point, right? Hmm. It's not, it's not an approach that I, I personally love or, or take. But, um, you know, some people, it's a numbers game. So if you've got, um, business development managers working in your business, um, and they've got targets to hit, that's one of the ways that they can do that. And they can set that up through using AI. Um, and using software that just does that on autopilot. So, and you know, um, it's not,
0: yeah. And I think, um, and this kind of comes back to what we're talking about advertisers, you know, the e commerce people that are succeeding because they understand the lifetime value. I think a lot of uh, novice advertisers or novice people that are new to marketing in general for their business expecting a sale after the very first click and interaction and, you know, sometimes feeling disappointed when, oh, all these people clicked on my Facebook ad and threw to my website, but, you know, only so many people actually signed up and no one purchased anything. Well, yeah, and that's okay. So now you have to do the legwork to start, hey, I noticed you downloaded the, the PDF, Sam, What kind of issues are you having with your photocopier or whatever it is? You know, is is there any questions that you had after reading it? Oh, yeah, I'm struggling with my toner or, you know, my photocopies look terrible or whatever it is. Oh, cool, maybe we can help you. You know, you, you, you get the opportunity to then have that conversation. Yes, it would be so great if people would just click the thing and just give you money straight away. Wouldn't it be so nice to live in that world? It is not often like that. Sometimes, sometimes people get lucky. Most of the time, it's probably not going to be like that for most most services.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, I think setting realistic goals as well of, you know, what is an average click-through rate and how many should I expect to convert from a, you know, if I get 100 people to my site, how many of them should really be inquiring? Being across those numbers for your industry is really key. Um, because then your expectations are realistic, and you can also do some planning, especially if you if it comes to you know doing paid advertising through whatever medium that you're choosing to use. How many website clicks do we need to you know? If you know that people, some of the people that are clicking are converting, work out what your conversion stats are, and then work backwards. Right? What's a cost per click? How many people do I need to get there? And so on and so forth. So you know, again, going back to the numbers in anything that you do in acquisition, um, we haven't really talked about um, the retention. Um, but I would, you know, I think the the you know we touched on it some of the email marketing, but really just keeping keeping in touch with your clients um, and your customers and being you know at the forefront of their mind is my advice <laughs> and so doing that through email marketing and social media is a really good way of just keeping in touch um, with your clients and also don't be scared to do a bit of remarketing to them um, if you've got you know a list of clients or customers that you haven't worked with for a little while um, and they're not really interacting on your emails list they're not really opening anything they're not Um, doing anything with your socials, don't be scared to reach out and connect with them directly on LinkedIn. If you haven't, don't be scared to do a small retargeting campaign through Facebook uh, or LinkedIn. You can do some paid ads using those lists um, of people, depending on how you've got things set up. But um, that is another way of just reinvigorating an existing list. Um, We had a, a client that came to us, oh, it was a few years ago now, and they came to us for Facebook advertising. He was adamant, he was selling uh, boat trailers. He was adamant he wanted to um, do Facebook advertising. So he had, a, sorry, a boat trailer business, and he also had a promotional product business. And so um, we looked at some Facebook ads for the, for the um, boat trailers, that was working okay. And then with the promotional products, he said, no, I definitely wanna do Facebook ads. So we had a conversation and it turned out he had a database of 17,000 people. So, yeah, they'd never really done. They'd done a little bit of email marketing, but nothing probably for a good couple of years. So I said, okay, well, instead of doing, let's just pause the Facebook ads. Let's do a six-week nurture campaign. Obviously, not to all 17,000 at the same time. Um, We helped them set that up and just do, you know, kind of, I think we're doing two or 300 emails at a time. That was working so well for them. All they ended up doing, we helped them set it up. We did emails, I think, with them for about three months. They then took that back in-house. And it was great. They got a great result. And I'm still on their email list. And I still get their emails Um, once a week. They do an email out to everyone. And that is enough for them. So you know, don't always be focused on bringing new clients in. New clients are great. But just don't forget about all of the... Um, you know, the the potential that is sitting within your existing and your past clients and customers.
0: 100%. And we're at 54 minutes. Have you seen that?
1: (gasps) I I did just see that, yeah. Okay. Crazy.
0: Is there anything that you desperately want to cover? I know it's fast, isn't it?
1: (laughs) No. It goes really quick. Just um, on the email marketing, I just wanted to share a tool that you're probably across, Stuart, Mm. but I've only just found out about. It's called Milled, M-I-L-L-E-D, com, and you can actually search does it use AI? All emails. Of course, it does. Oh, good, because otherwise I am um, not searches. interested. <laughs> <laughs> it, you, it basically scours, so you could put in um, Cotton On as a brand, and it will bring up all of their email marketing, so you can see what they're doing. So you can search on brands, or you can search by keyword. So if you are a family law firm. You can search family law and it will show you all the emails. Okay, I'm assuming you haven't heard of it because that was my face when I was like, ooh, this is cool.
0: Wait, are these? these,
1: I'm not an expert on it. I just discovered it like live. These are
0: actual. (laughs) These aren't just like templates that are good for florists. These these are are actual,
1: actual. No, no, no. These are emails, actual emails that are out there that people are sending their clients and customers. Wow. Just a side note, apparently they're quite good for um, grabbing any discount codes you need as well for <laughs> the online shopping, shoppers amongst us. Wow. Um, but use it for inspiration. So I had a little play with it last week. Um, really good for just getting some ideas for what are other brands putting out there. This is not a we're going to copy what they're doing. This is for inspiration. Like use it for inspiration. Um
0: You can totally copy what they're doing, though, (laughs) if you wanted to.
1: (laughs) I know, but I thought it was – I've never seen anything like that before um, when it comes to emails, so I thought that was really interesting.
0: Wow. Very cool. Mm. I like it. Thank you for sharing that.
1: I'm going to take a look. No problem. That's your afternoon taken care of. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. I didn't have enough (laughs) to distract me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got like ten million AI tools that I want to look at.
1: Oh stop. I know, I know. But one of my team sent another one through the other day. Um oh I can't remember what it's called. I'll I'll remember and share with it now. Bark? I think it is. Bark AI? Bark. I think so. That might be wrong. She said it's better than chat GPT.
0: Oh, you're talking about Bard. Are
1: Bard. you talking about Bard? It, Google Bard. Bard? Bard.
0: I've not used ah, it actually. Yes.
1: No, I haven't either. Why the hell would you call it
0: Bard? Such a bad name. No. All right, now I'm going to – thanks. Now I've got two things to do this afternoon. Ladies and gents, that is going to bring us to the end of our episode for another week of the Launchpad podcast. I want to firstly thank Tina again for uh, being here. Thank you very much.
1: You're so welcome. I love it.
0: And for you guys at home, thanks for listening in and subscribing on whatever platform, Spotify or uh, Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts. Music. I don't know what the Apple one is called, whatever. The Apple platform. Thank you very much the for Apple listening. Thing. Yeah, for listening on the Apple thing or whatever other device or platform you happen to be tuning on from. We appreciate you uh, listening in. And we're going to see you next week for another episode of the Launchpad.